everybody, and welcome back to the water cooler, which is exactly what I say every time I meet somebody at a water cooler at work. People don't like seeing me at the water cooler at work because of that reason. Um, for those of you who don't remember, the water cooler segments are just sort of our off-topic shows. Uh, it's been a while since we've done one. For those of you who uh, have wondered what's been going on with that, we... Um, well, we're obviously doing it again, and it was recommended to us that we actually have other people on and ask them about them. So, I am here again with Paul, as always. How are you doing, Paul? Hello, mate of Lee. Good, good. And we are joined by our good friend who appeared recently on our episode about uh, the Quest for Glory series. Welcome back to the show, Hope. Hi. Uh, glad to be back. Thank you for having me back. Always a pleasure, literally, and always meeting once before and starting now <laughs> twice. Now and forever. Yes. Uh, yeah, how are you doing? How, how's, how's life treating you? Doing well. It's uh, October here mm -hmm. in New Orleans where I live, which means it's I'm not pretty sure it's October. Degrees. I'm pretty sure it's October in a lot of places in the world. Listen, <laughs> I heard that no uh it is october which which here in new orleans means that it is not 100 degrees every day it's only 70 or 80 degrees mm. every day which is a nice change um but we get really excited about uh the, that holiday specifically because we love to dress up so i am in a festive mood and happy for the change and excited mm -hmm. for halloween so is it usually uh really hot in uh, new orleans yeah, most I would say we have like a nine month summer uh, in the same way that, you know, in the, the far reaches of the north, you have the the long, long winter. We have the long, long summer. Right. It's probably my least favorite thing about New Orleans. <laughs> I know a lot of people love it and they live here because they hate snow, but I get a little tired of it. I sweat a lot, but we're almost done with it for this year. There you go. Anything that goes on for too long is just generally. Um, it just gets old. It gets old. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, at the end of the at the end of recording last time, uh, we actually had uh, we actually chatted for quite a bit longer than the actual recording. And you mentioned a uh, background in theater. Yeah. Yeah. So is that like? Uh, did you like go to school for that? Like, are you like formally trained? In as much as you would have at an undergraduate level that was not a conservatory, I suppose. Oh. Uh, I do well, have yeah, a theater yeah. degree. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so an actual official degree. Yes. Yes. My background is drama and anthropology. Um, because mm. I decided to pick the two most interesting things to me and not necessarily what would get me paid in the long run. Yes. Um, follow your joy, I guess. <laughs> but no, I did I did theater all growing up. I still really love performing. I don't have as much time to do it these days, but I, I did love performing and I still do. Um, was in a lot of plays, a lot of musicals, really like doing comedies mm -hmm. um, and a, a little bit of voice work here and there. Um, but again, nothing too official. Yeah, you mentioned uh, voice work as well. Is that something which um, is that something that you want to get into? You, you said something about like, uh, did you do some voices for video games or something like that at some point? Actually, I voiced on the AGI remakes of King's Quest One and Two. Oh, wow. way back in the the very early aughts. Um, so the I guess they were called Tierra when they first started, and then the mm -hmm. is it AGI or ADGI? I don't want to show my AGI. AGDI? I think, yeah. That's probably right. Um, but their, their first uh, King's Quest 1 and 2, I was the fairy godmother in King's Quest 1. I had two lines. And in their King's Quest 2, that was the whole revamp, I was Angelina the Antiques Dealer, which mm. was a pretty juicy part. That was a really fun, you know, kind of fake out role. I don't know if everyone's played it turned out to be not what I seemed. Um, but if you do go back and play those games, please do not judge me because I was 15 when I did those two parts and on not a very professional microphone. So I right. feel very lucky that they had me on. Uh, and then I was uh, Rosella for the infamous quest, King's Quest 3. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, that was really fun. That was, I felt very honored to get to be a Rosella of any kind. Yeah, yeah, that's... uh. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Are, are you looking to do more uh, video game voice work? I would love to. I'm not pursuing it really professionally in any way. I have enough jobs right now. Although if the opportunity came up, I would certainly jump on it and be really happy to, to chip in. Um, we built a 
recording studio more or less in a spare closet in our apartment Mm -hmm. with the materials that we have. We have a pretty good mic set up in there. And so my husband and I both would like to do more voices, either for independent games or mods that people are making, and just throw our voices in the hat. Yeah. Yeah, so that's really cool. Uh, I actually, I'm not not sure if I mentioned this before as well, but I actually have, technically I have a theater degree. And by that I mean I have a technical theater degree as in I'm a theater tech. Yeah. Can't do it without y'all. And y'all are the ones that I feel often actually get jobs after college. (laughs) They do usually, except I kind of didn't because I, um, it's one of those things where I, I, I felt like, it was really fun what I was doing. I was a lighting designer mm-hmm. uh, and that was a very fulfilling role and very fun for me. But I also kind of knew right away that as soon as I start doing it professionally, I'm not going to really like it anymore. That's fair. Yeah. So I kind of just uh, worked for free for a little bit, just on friends projects. And eventually I just kind of um, tapered off because uh, a lot of the performers that I work with kind of stopped doing things professionally or just didn't really have any control to get me into the projects and usually when people were just sort of like doing the you know um renting out the back room of a restaurant or something right. like that that's when i would get roles because it's like hey i'll work for free like free is exactly our price and um but not <laughs> so- not so much anymore yeah but uh i was basically a jack of all jack of most trades master of none really bad at some so <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Paul? Do you have any theater background? No, I mean, I don't. I'm I'm quite handy with a spool of gaffer tape. So nice. if someone needs like cables taped to the ground, I'm I'm a guy for that. But otherwise, no, I didn't. I'm, I'm kind of that was surprised. Job. That- <laughs> a lot of gaffer tape. Yeah, of cables to the ground. And seriously, like that was like a big part of my everything I did in university. <laughs> No, I, I'm kind of surprised I didn't. I, I think I think there was still like this stigma, especially for for guys, or at least where where I was growing up, that that it wasn't wasn't like socially cool or whatever to do that. And unfortunately, um, I didn't have a strong enough will to just do it because I wanted to. But I kind of I do regret not doing it because I've I've always been decent at speaking uh, in front of people and and you know just kind of the extroverted traits that you need uh, to be in theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, not really. I, I, I probably did a, a little bit of what Rick did uh, on a on a scale model because my brother is a professional like stop motion animator. So whenever oh, he'd do wow. his own he'd do his own films, and I'd uh, help you know with the lighting and and setting it up. So it's, again, it's like a model scale version of of a big stage. Very cool. Part of me always thinks it's a dream to work on a stop motion thing because like I love stop motion animation but the other part of me realizes that's probably going to be like really really brutal work <laughs> yeah I can't imagine I know I know his back is pretty much shattered at this point in life from doing it all these years and I did I did like a really when we lived together in, in Los Angeles many years ago I did like a, a really short animation like he, he had me make a puppet with him um out of uh, plaster and all that, which was really fun, you know, just making the, the molds and pouring in the foam latex and making the armatures. And and then he had me animate my puppet. And I just had him, like, like do, like, a knight salute, like, bring his hand up and move it out. And it, it took, like, mm-hmm. six days to get, like, oh four seconds or six yeah. seconds. Yeah, I was like, I'm out, mate. I'm sorry. This is your passion. <laughs> I'm supporting you, but... What did they Godspeed. say for um what did they say for Nightmare Before Christmas? I think it was, like, uh, a day's work for 90 seconds of footage. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right, and that's keeping in mind that they've got a, a huge crew of animators. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and working like around the clock, right? Because I've uh, I don't know if any of you have worked on set, but they they're like minimum twelve hour days, more typically like uh, pushing sixteen, eighteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, and I know with my bro, like he'll get he gets into positions, especially with stop motion animation. You have to have such a good. Uh, short-term memory of exactly what your character was doing you know mm-hmm. if you're just moving a hand up or you know just to keep the trajectories all all correct that you know if it's like you know 7 p.m and you've just started to move like a hand you pretty much got to see it through just so you know what the, <laughs> what's going on with the whole thing yeah yeah one of those things that uh you don't really think about when you're just enjoy sitting back and enjoying it from the couch right yeah I actually have a single jack skellington head from that movie that someone traded my husband for for work way back in the 90s it's on the mantle He's like the official face like the officially I mean, used prop or like i it was either a prop or it was a mold it's definitely 
it's a scary he's making a an angry face and it's not colored so i'm wondering if it wasn't maybe a mold for something that they used later it's all just plain white right but it was used for something in that movie and i don't know if my husband did computer work or some odd job for this person and they were like well i can't pay you but here's <laughs> the skeleton head that we used in the movie and he was like trade like yeah. sounds good <laughs> deal we have we have a lot of strange ephemera between the two of us. <laughs> uh, do you have any interesting theater stories? Like, did you do a lot of theater after uh, after university, or even just like in university? Did you have like a really some really cool? Sure. Roles? No. Um. Gosh, my favorite part that I did was probably Noises Off. I was Brooke in Noises Off. Which mm-hmm. are you familiar with that show? Not that one, though. Noises Off is a British comedy. It's very complicated. It's really funny. It's really complicated. It's a play within a play. Uh, These actors are putting on a show called, I think Nothing On is the show they're putting on. It's a Benny Hill-esque comedy that they're trying to to put up. Uh, And you see the play first when they're in rehearsal with the director coming in and giving them notes. The second act, the entire set turns and you see it from backstage as they're putting the show up for real. Mm-hmm. And then the third act, the set turns again and you see them later on in their run when they all hate each other and are having affairs <laughs> and are just <laughs> messing with each other the entire way through. It's a really complex show, but it's really funny. Um, Carol Burnett is in the movie version. Oh, um, nice. But it's it's a fantastic show. That was my favorite play that I did. Um, I also, on the other side of the spectrum, got to play Clytemnestra in the Oresteia. So that was my big villainous That is awesome. I love the Oresteia. That was really fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was a really cool, bloody, you know, I get to both uh, kill people with an axe and get stabbed in the same show. It's pretty rad. It's kind of everything you want. Aren't that scenes the best? It was really fun. Mm -hmm. And we had the minty blood, so it like tasted pretty good. (laughs) Just convenient. Um. And then the big musical that I did in college, because they it was a smaller school, we only ever did one musical every four years, was Carousel, which eh, of all the musicals to have not mm. aged well. But I did get to play the comedic best friend, Carrie, and that was a lot of fun. It was a really fun part that I got to play, at least. Okay, good. So, Was that kind of like care. a... Oh, sorry, I was going to say, was that like a comic relief kind of part? Yes, which was always my favorite. She's nice, uh, a... Yeah. You know, sort of a daffy best friend, but some good songs and uh, some good lines, which I always appreciate. Nice. Yeah. I used to host burlesque here in New Orleans. That's really the only theater I've done here was there's actually quite a bit of uh, a burlesque revival Mm. in New Orleans that's been going on for the past decade. And I can't dance for anything. I am a terrible dancer. Anyone will tell you uh, and I will tell you, but I can sing and I can tell jokes. So I occasionally would get hired as the host of the burlesque show and nice. my burlesque alter ego was Anne Howe. Anne Howe. Nice. I thought was very good. And I would tell a combination of my own <laughs> Took material me a and yeah, right. Got it. You get it eventually. And uh vaudeville jokes. So historic yeah. vaudeville was a lot of fun to research. A lot of Sophie Tucker and old material that's really filthy for a hundred years ago is really solid stuff and still funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has generally, I think, been a bit of a revival of burlesque recently. I, I can only imagine uh, more so in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I've, um, I can't say I've seen very many of them, but I've seen some. And mm-hmm. uh, it, I don't know, it strikes me that you don't have to be the best dancer to be a burlesque dancer. <laughs> You've I, not seen me dance, Rick. It's bad. <laughs> I, I think as long as you're willing to just sort of like <laughs> shake something here and there, just sort of, you know, you can, <laughs> that's all you really <laughs> Need and not no not uh, not to you know talk down to burlesque dancers. I'm sure they're capable of really good dance, and, and some parts <laughs> of the show involve some really good dance. But I think like most of them, or not Uh-oh. most, but like some of them, there's parts where they're just kind of like you know you just got to be there and look nice. It depends. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I think I think a large part of our listening audience is burlesque dancers. So that's a good <laughs> good paddleback. <laughs> you as never far as, know. As far as being like a. Like a bad dancer in burlesque, it, it is. Well, I guess, I guess, if you think of like, <laughs> il, like Elaine from Seinfeld with like nipple tassels, that would probably, that could it's probably bring the show down. It's important to have at least a little bit of rhythm. <laughs> I suppose it's important to not fall down when you're attempting to take your stocking off and just fall right over. It doesn't. <laughs> it's not a good look unless it's intentional, and it's well, usually not for me. Okay, well, I mean, 
<laughs> I, I guess you require uh, basic coordination, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be surprised. There's an entire subculture of burlesque that is nerdlesque. So you might have oh. some burlesque dancer listeners. You never know. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I totally that, that I see that a lot or not personally go to attend, but I, I see posters for uh, nerd oh, yeah. burlesque all over, especially back in uh, BC when I lived in uh, uh, the in the Vancouver area. It was a big thing. Like it was, uh, there was always something going on. Like Star Wars, Star Trek, um, mm-hmm. what, whatever. There was even funny. You say um, Elaine from Seinfeld. There was actually like uh, there was actually Seinfeld burlesque at one point. <laughs> so I can imagine that's actually literally something that happened. They probably actually yeah. had uh, Elaine doing the Elaine dance with nipple tassels or something. <laughs> I, I would pay good money for that. Yeah. <laughs> So what what is the the nerd burlesque? Is that just like cosplay with like sexy dancing or whatever? Often it will be the the dancers portraying, you know, characters, especially characters that they really like from different fandoms. And like Rick said, I mean, you'll see Star Wars, you'll see Harry Potter, you'll see Mario. Um, there was a horror one that happened pretty recently where it was just all the famous, you know, movie monsters. Um, I've, always, wa- one I've always wanted to see uh, Godzilla shake his uh, boobs. Oh, there I'm- have been burlesque <laughs> Godzillas, one hundred percent. And it's usually they're they're often meant to be funny. Of so you'll have you know everything's on theme. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, yeah, I think the main point is yeah. the comedy. I don't think anyone's like yeah. Go- no, it's mostly meant to be the- funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because of this conversation, I'm picturing every villain from every horror movie in nipple tassels now, and it's and delightful. And it's been done. And it's yeah. been done. It's yeah. 100% been done. There's yeah. like there's like a rule 34, um, but instead of the internet, of burlesque. Yeah. yeah. If it exists, there's a burlesque of it, almost mm-hmm. certainly. In case anyone ever wanted to see Wolf do a, a windmill on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and now the anyone listening is picturing it. Uh, when I first moved to New Orleans, I thought I would try to dance. And I did one burlesque actual dance. Uh, and I started off singing. And I was singing about how, uh, you know, you were no stranger to love. And you knew the rules. And, and so did I. And, you know, I talked about our commitment and what I was thinking of. And then it went into the actual dance, which was never going to give you up. And of <laughs> this massive rickroll. And so when I went to strip down, the tops and the bottoms actually was not down to pasties. It was still like a, a lingerie set that had rick across the boobs and roll across the butt. So <laughs> nice. A further <laughs> disappointment. But it was fun. It was cute. But that's the only dance that I ever did. All right. Well, that's uh, d- and did you uh, did and did you fall over? Is that why you don't do it anymore? I nearly did. I. <laughs> I watched the video and realized while the conception or the, while the I watched the video and realized while the concept was incredibly solid, the execution was not what I think I would have wanted to see. In the <laughs> and long now run. you do uh, you do uh, haunted walking tours. I do, yeah. So my my main bill paying job in New Orleans that I've done for the past nine years is I am a walking tour guide. So we started out as a ghost tour company, and that's still really the bread and butter for a lot of tour guides in New Orleans. And it's still something that I do and enjoy doing is walking around the French Quarter at night and telling people ghost stories and folklore and grisly history. Um, And then I also do tours in St. Louis Cemetery Number 1, which is where Marie Laveau's tomb is located, the voodoo queen of New Orleans. Mm. And I do a Saints and Sinners tour, which is raunchy French Quarter history, uh, a little bit more risque, but still very history heavy mm-hmm. tour. And then I can do a true crime tour by request. So those are my big four. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that actually sounds, all of those sound really uh, awesome to me. I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I, I, I myself am a big horror fan, so I love this yeah. kind of stuff. And, uh, and there's like, I think I saw you mention once about like some famous New Orleans axe murderer or something like that. Oh, yeah. So it's 2019 when we're recording this. And that marks the 100-year anniversary of the Axeman of New Orleans' main um, stalking the streets of the city of New Orleans. He is one of our more famous serial killers, and he's <laughs> an old-school serial killer. Well, <laughs> it's New Orleans. Let's be real. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's one that's from 100 years ago, and so it's okay to talk and joke about him a little bit more than anyone that would be more recent. Right. He's almost certainly dead. The statute of hope. limitations of humor... <laughs> 
<laughs> he's he's an Edwardian era serial killer. It's not nearly as um as in poor taste, yeah. I suppose. You, but So what you're yeah. saying is like the listeners cannot call too soon at us. I I mean, I guess you can call too soon at anything, but he is from literally a hundred years ago. <laughs> we had a, a little bit of a uh, anniversary for him. Not for him per se, but there's a specific event. So I'll, I'll tell you the story. We'll set the scene. So it's 1918 and 1919 were the years that he was stalking New Orleans. And I say he, they never caught him. It could have been a lady. Let's be real. It was right. a man. <laughs> um, and so uh, 1918 and 1919, this killer uh, is on the loose in the streets of New Orleans. He earns the title the axe man because he uses an axe to kill his victims. It's not his axe. He would always add insult to injury by using the axe of the victims whose house he'd broken into. The first thing he would do was go to their shed or go to their their closet, find their axe, and then kill them with their own implement and leave it behind, mm. which was an interesting calling card for him. Um, he primarily would prey on entire families and specifically Italian merchant families were some of his main victim groups. Um the police wrote him off as infighting and possibly something to do with the mafia, which people had a lot of ideas about at the time um, for New Orleans Italian immigrants, uh, which is pretty racist for the time. But the police ignored it and eventually realized, no, we can't ignore this. This is a serial killer. Mm -hmm. But it all comes to a head in 1919 in March when a letter is sent to the local newspaper that is said to be penned by the Axeman. And it's kind of like the Jack the Ripper from Hell letters. you know. And you can read this online. The Axeman loves to hear himself talk or write. So it's pretty long. But he claims that he's a demon from hell and he can kill as many people as he likes and no one can stop him, but that he is going to make a proposition to the people of New Orleans. And he says, here it is. I am very fond of jazz music. And I swear by all the devils in hell that anyone who plays jazz on this night that I've determined I'm going to walk the streets will be spared the axe. And he signs off and says, you know, if you play jazz, it will go better for you. And so this night, this particular night, March 19th, 1919, everybody freaks out, plays jazz. Jazz was, you know, a fairly new, uh, very exciting style of music and a very New Orleans style of music, of course, at the time. So people are going to jazz halls, playing jazz records, you know, getting their uncle who can halfway play the piano to like feverishly play inside their house. <laughs> and sure enough, no one dies that night. So March 19th, 1919 is the big day for the Axeman, and that was the Axeversary mm. this past year. Uh, but he was <laughs> so, never caught. He disappears into antiquity. We think he probably left the state and maybe even left the country. Uh, as long as he was not actually a demon from hell, he's dead now, so we don't have to worry about him. Mm. But he's a, he's a big New Orleans character. So that uh, that whole, um, the um, that big night on uh, March 19th, mm-hmm. uh, that was, I, I think that was like the last anyone had heard from him. He would show up a few more times after that. Oh, he would. Okay. He would. Um, there were, And he didn't kill everybody that he attacked. There were actually a handful of people, some very tragically, that did survive, um, even when other people in the house didn't. But no, he was never actually caught. Um, mm-hmm. But he sort of peters off, and we think he, we think he left town. Right. Well, and if you, if you watch the show American Horror Story, that third season is set in New Orleans, and they use the Axeman right. as a character, and they change him up. They you know, make him a a slightly more classic serial killer and they actually make him a jazz musician and that's why he's so fond of it. But we really don't know. And there's even some folks that say that he didn't really write the letter and that it was written like by a jazz musician instead, which is a pretty fun theory. But (laughs) I like to think it was him just because he he sounds like such an asshole. Yeah, serial killers tend to be uh, jerks. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out he's got this lovely... Penmanship, yeah. No. <laughs> I should Serial say he sounds like such a goofball. Tricks. He sounds yeah. like such a dork. Um, in his claiming to be a demon. Yeah, that's the first sign. You know. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you when you give these tours, um, like how? Because I've I've been on I think just one of these myself in in Saint Augustine in Florida. I went oh, on yeah. a ghost tour there, and I was wondering like. What's the what's the rule on like having to believe in the stories you're telling, or maybe just ask you personally? Like, do you, do you actually believe any of the stories that, that you are telling? 
so <laughs> we can't prove a ghost and we can't, I never presume to tell people this is exactly what ghosts are or this is, you know, what I believe about them specifically because it's one of those things that we can't know. You can't, mm-hmm. um, you can't prove a negative. Uh, but what we do is we approach it from the perspective of history and of folklore. So everything that we can know, all of the history where we can look up dates and we can look up occurrences, that we get as tight as possible. And then we share the ghost stories. And I think among tour guides in New Orleans, you know, across the spectrum, you'll see some folks that 100% hardcore believe in ghosts, see ghosts, talk to ghosts. You'll have folks that are more interested in the history aspect and they'll tell you the folklore and they're not, you know, Maybe they secretly don't believe in ghosts. I do believe there's something out there, but I don't presume to know what it is. And mm-hmm. I think it might be something that we figure out with science or, uh, as Terry Pratchett would say, something to do with quantum later on <laughs> in time. But mm-hmm. I do love the history and I do love the folklore and I love stories, you know, above all. And so I think being able to share these stories, it's also a really good way to sneakily teach people about New Orleans and teach people about history that wouldn't otherwise... Uh. You're one of them. I hate taking I, a class. <laughs> I hate when I get tricked into learning stuff. Damn. Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of tricking people into knowing more about the world yeah. via the ghost tours. I know, which um, makes me really happy. Mm-hmm. I know I've been on a. Uh, I think probably the only haunted tour that I've been on, surprisingly, because I love these uh, and I love horror and hauntings and stuff like that. The only haunted mm-hmm. tour I've really been in was uh, Victoria, BC, uh, which is a very haunted place. Uh, but I also lived in New Westminster, BC. Uh, it, it's kind of redundant to have a haunted tour because it's basically here's the city, like it's all haunted. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we all have like personal haunted stories, like po- personal ghost stories? Oh hell, I punched a ghost. Oh perfect. Would you like to hear about it? <laughs> I would love to hear the story of you punching a ghost. All right. Well. I'll set the scene. So I do tell this one sometimes on my ghost tour. Uh, Often I'll use it to fill for time or if people specifically want to know if I've seen a ghost. And keep in mind, this is all from my perspective, but it makes me sound awesome. And so (laughs) I like to tell it. Of course. So I've lived in New Orleans a little over 10 years. And early on in my time here, my best friend who had a fantastic apartment that most people don't actually have in New Orleans, i.e., you know, a balcony overlooking, you know, just outside the French Quarter, beautiful wrought iron. She had the whole deal. And she went on vacation for a few weeks and asked if I would stay at this nice historic apartment and feed her cats and keep an eye on things. And I'm like, yes, you know, staycation. So mm-hmm. she goes out, I move in. The first week, everything is totally fine, copacetic, great. The second weekend, I have this incident. So I'm still house sitting, I'm asleep in the bed, and I wake up at about three in the morning. And I look up and I realize there is a man in the room and he's standing at the foot of the bed. And he's a tall guy, skinny, um, nicely dressed. He was wearing a lightweight tan summer suit, lightweight tan summer hat, kind of Mad Men era, early 1960s. And I did not think it was a ghost. Uh, He was in full color, you know, like looked like a person that you would see out on the street. Uh, He was not see-through like a ghost in a movie. Like I said, he was not all blue or all green like a ghost you think of in a Mm. cartoon. It just looked like a guy. And so I didn't think it was a ghost. I thought it was a break-in. Or I thought it was some drunk person that had wandered out of a bar or some psycho who was trying door handles up and down the street. And I thought, I've left the gate open and this stranger has come in. And I always say, heaven forbid anyone ever actually breaks into my house because I did not do anything I should have done. Um, my phone was right there, and I didn't call 911, and they had a weapon in the apartment. I didn't jump for the weapon. Instead, I was like, fight or flight, and I tried to punch him, which was never going to work because he was 10 feet away, and I was sitting up in bed. But I do. I swing like an idiot, and he reacts. He goes from the foot of the bed closer to me, so he walks all the way to the side of the bed, level with my shoulder, looks at me, narrows his eyes cocks his head, and disappears. And at that moment, I was like, thank God it's a ghost. Because <laughs> I always wanted to see a ghost. Yeah. I, never so wanted, I never wanted someone to break in my house. Yeah, And so <laughs> I texted my friend the next day. I said, there is a ghost in your house, but don't worry. I've punched him. And he went <laughs> away. And so my advice to you is that if you ever encounter some kind of supernatural entity and you want it to leave you alone, you should punch it in the face because the ghost (laughs) will be so disappointed in you (laughs) and judge you so harshly 
that it just gives you the stink eye and leaves you alone. But that is my personal ghost encounter. And while it could have been a dream, it definitely wasn't sleep paralysis because clearly I had my full range of motion. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never had a dream, you know, just like that since. So I say I punched a ghost because, as I said, it makes me sound awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I do have to say, uh, anytime I try to make friends with somebody and they throw a fist at my face, I do tend to like get a little bit hurt and leave them alone. No, I, I feel it. And honestly, in hindsight, if I see any more ghosts, I will not react with violence, you know, but I, if I think it's a person that's broken into my house, you do That's what you exactly do. it. It wasn't really, uh, he should have made himself more obvious as a ghost. You I know. know? <laughs> he, at he least have the courtesy to look like a ghost. Yeah, exactly. You know, don't walk through a wall or something. I, I know he intended to like present well. But it's like, can't you at least like show your skull or something like that? (laughs) Take your head off for a second, something, so I know. Way less scary that way. Mm -hmm. Punched a surprisingly fashionable ghost in the face. (laughs) 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 It really sounds like he just hurt his feelings in the end. He's that was bloody rude. Jeez. (laughs) I had my friends were like, "You could have learned the secrets of the afterlife," and you just reacted with violence. I'm like, look, (laughs) thought my life was in danger. Thought it was the killer. But the ghost is thinking, like, I bring you knowledge and wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Look how nicely I've dressed up for this interview. Nope. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you didn't reach for your phone or a weapon because that makes a lot of movies more believable now. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's a good yeah. point. <laughs> Anytime you say, actually, we talked about this. Um, I can't remember if it was uh, on the show or not, but it was uh, Paul and I were talking about horror and sort of like, uh, people always wonder like why do you, why why did they just do that really stupid thing i'm like do you know people there's like more stupid people than there are smart people in the world and they don't uh, they don't do things that you're they're supposed to do but, yeah you um, kind of do just whatever comes <laughs> to your brain in the moment i think yeah yeah uh, not, not saying what you did was stupid that's exactly what i would have done is uh thrown a fist at somebody that i thought was a person in my house <laughs> Um, well, the fact is, you know, you have fight, flight, or freeze, and I'm very proud that I went for fight. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm okay with it. Because uh, it would have been stupid if you didn't, and it was a person. And then... <laughs> right. <laughs> They're just like, <laughs> 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 Instead, you're like, you're a ghost, aren't you? Um, okay. Tell me how you well... work. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> do, do you have any uh, actual uh, firsthand um, haunted experiences, Paul? I I do I do I've got uh I've got two one of them's real quick it was just it, this one was just strange because I, I was I was in my house I was uh, quite quite young I was probably like sixteen or whatever I was in, in my house with my girlfriend so I did have a witness because that was important for sanity and we were we had been home alone in the house for hours um so you know everything checks out in other words I I tested this this story for for any holes or anything like that I just can't find one we're we're home alone in the house for hours and we both decide to head out and get some food or whatever and we start walking down the stairs and there's a candle um downstairs on the coffee table and it and it just lit it it mm-hmm. came into fire how do you say a candle started it turned on ignited, it ignited. <laughs> there we go ignited yeah, yeah. Yeah, words. Are, was it a so particularly hard. hot day that day? <laughs> well, it, yeah, actually, it was. I think it was Florida, but but yeah, I mean, it was just strange. It's not like the candle wasn't previously lit, and like a, a gust of whatever the AC, you know, reignited the wick. Like it, it was definitely not lit at all for for days, and it, and it just it just turned on. So that that was one that was just really strange. Not necessarily like you know a figure of a ghost involved, but that was just strange. And then there was one other, I was uh, staying with my bruv who, uh, at the time we were in Savannah, Georgia, um, which... Good place you know, for haunting. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, the, the, the town sets it all up for that kind of vibe. And um, earlier in the week, there there was a, a lot of police and, and um, forensic crews and, and all kinds of uh, hullabaloo, a lot of stuff going on right across the street. Uh, from from his house uh, was was an abandoned house, and the police and everyone was there for a couple of days. Um, there was a bunch of yellow tape and everything, but no one had lived in the house because it was it was abandoned. Um, it was kind of in ruins, and so uh, about like the third day, uh, I walked over there with my brother, and he asked the police, like, "What's you know what's going on here?" And as he's talking to them, I you know I just kind of start wandering and, and looking around, and I walk over to to where these people are, are digging. Uh, into the soil and i i saw for myself human remains there there was a rib cage 
and like an arm or something like that that I could make out. They were they were literally digging out human bones mm. um, oh from, from from under the ground of this place. Um, and I go back to to my brother and I'm listening in and and the the cops basically saying that there was a, a guy there uh, who camped out in this house for for weeks or months or, or I guess probably years considering it was it was just bone at that point. Um, and he was just luring in homeless people and murdering them and then burying them I guess in the ground underneath the house. Um, so that was, that was well intense. You know, I, I was pretty, mm. I was quite young at the time. Um, so it was really scary. And then like four or five days later, we were all sitting, uh, sitting in the living room. Um, actually my brother was, was trying to get me to watch Star Wars for the first time. And all of a sudden there was just like this intense bang on the wall. Um, and it followed this pattern where like, uh, what's the best way to say it? Like, like the north part of the wall, there was a, a huge bang. And then the south part of the wall, there was a huge bang. And then the wall to our left and then the wall to the right. And then it would kind of repeat like that bloody, like that Simon game or whatever. Like, like a, pattern of, <laughs> a pattern of banging. And it was just, it, it was definitely, a, you know, a sound a human could make. But it would be like if you took both of your fists and, and just as hard as you could wailed into a wall. It, it was that loud and, and jarring. And then, it, like I said, it was going from, from each wall faster than a human could get there. Like, you know, because again. That ghost was like, bop it. Yeah. <laughs> Twist it, pull it. Exactly. Yeah, you would. You would have needed like four frat boys. Uh, it was. He was in college at the time, so I say that. But yeah, you would have. It would. It would have needed like some serious chore- choreography if it was a prank. Um, so I really don't think it was. And I don't really know how that ties into what was going on across the street. But just, I guess, maybe just sets the scene for an overall creepy atmosphere. Yeah, that's wild. Mm. True crime story right on your doorstep. With uh, yeah, with the homeless murder. Mm-hmm. But uh, how about you, Rick? You got him? Um, I think the only one that I that's actually uh, I, I visit a lot of haunted places. I think the only actual experience of mine was one time I was um, um, at the when I first moved into the apartment that um, the the last place I stayed in New Westminster, BC, before moving across the country. Uh, when I first moved in there, I um, uh, there was one evening where I was like getting ready to do the dishes, so I stacked all the plates. Um, on the side by the side of the sink and nothing was precarious it was uh everything was like you know they're just flat dishes stacked on top of another they're not it wasn't even like a particularly tall stack um like it wasn't taller than it was wide or anything like that so it has a very firm foundation and all that um and then i decided okay well i'm just going to um uh i'm just going to lie down for a minute before i before i do uh before i really settle in and start doing the dishes and so I lie down on the couch in the next room, and then I hear a crash. So I'm like, "What the hell is that?" Go into the next room. I see like um, already if the if the dishes had just fallen off, I would have assumed maybe there was something like, "Oh, I didn't stack it properly." I know for sure that I did, but I would have like just like, "Okay, fine, well, I guess I didn't." But as it turns out, like the dishes didn't just fall off; they were like thrown into the hallway. Whoa. Like they they carried a distance around like uh, around a corner, so it's like not like you could just tumble over the edge, which it wasn't even near the edge. That's another thing. It was like you know in a very uh, you know I stacked it so that it wouldn't fall. It was very it was very much in a place strate- strategically such that it would not be able to do that. And uh, the the ghost went up, I, the quote unquote ghost, whatever you want to call it, uh, went above and beyond and just made sure that it had been thrown to a place <laughs> that they could not even. Uh, logistically reach just to let me know that that was impossible to do uh, unless deliberately. So unless I'm a sleepwalker and I was napping at the time, I do not have any explanation for what happened. Yeah, that's that's well creepy. Yeah, like, it, like you said, it doesn't really matter how well they were stacked. Could have been stacked really poorly, but if it made it like you know ten feet and around a corner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> These apparitions uh, have a flair for the dramatics, I've noticed. Yeah. I, I don't know what it had against my dishes, though. Like, I, I guess they're like, clean up after yourself. <laughs> you have to soak them before you put them in the dishwasher. Yeah. It's the ghost of someone's angry mom. <laughs> <laughs> the only one who does anything around here. <laughs> Are y'all dressing up for Halloween? Are y'all doing any kind of costume or party or anything like that? That is a good question. Um, because I don't know if I'm even going out on Halloween. It's a um, Thursday this year, huh? Yeah, I suppose it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, no, it's not a weekend. 
And I, I don't know what to expect. I don't know when people go out for Halloween if it's on if it's in the middle of the week. Uh, I don't know when they bring the kids by if it's going to be on the weekend or if it's going to be the Halloween itself. Mm-hmm. I don't know how these things work anymore. Um, so it, it's, you don't have to. You just leave out like a pack of cigarettes and tell the kids <laughs> to just take one. <laughs> Man, if it was those candy cigarettes, I would be ready. That was one of my favorite candies that you definitely can't find anymore. Yeah, yeah. Candy cigarettes. They were so good. They were just well, pure sugar. They were like sugar covered with more powdered sugar so that you could kind of blow on them and it would make a little puff of like flower smoke. But they tasted so good. Mm-hmm. We had the, the candy cigarettes grown up, but they were they were the, the package literally said candy F word. Um because because uh, 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 i'm talking about growing up in england i'm not gonna say it. it's right. not fuck it's the other f word no i know what you mean yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just, yeah. I, I i thought it was candy fuck <laughs> I, was like, hey, wow. I, I thought so at first too but then i kind of pieced it together when you then said, you realized yeah. it was yeah it was, so, oh that's what you guys call <laughs> cigarettes yeah no i i totally was picturing candy fuck yeah. <laughs> well um i i think i'm gonna uh i've got to figure out what to what to Dress, dress my, my son as, cause I, I've been, I've had some really good ones so far in his first few years. Like one year he was, um, a homeless guy and I felt like I nailed that. I even got him like a little miniature shopping cart and painted on a beard. And, um, so that was a good one. And one year he was, uh, I dressed him up as Tom Morello from, from Rage Against the Machine. And what was cool about that was that Tom actually reposted it on his Instagram, which Aww. was awesome. St- still one of the, still one of a highlight for me. So I need to, I need to try and top those two this year, but what I'm costumes aside, because I always dress up with him, one because it's fun to pretend, and two so he's not alone on that. But um, I think this year, uh, next week we're gonna I'm gonna take him down to the Stanley Hotel, um, just just to spend a day because it's in it's in Estes Park, which is a beautiful, awesome little town here. And then oh, I guess it's not called the Stanley in the movie. Um, the Overlook Hotel, the hotel right, from the Shining, yeah, yeah. right? Shining, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's about it's about forty minutes away from me. I've been there a couple of times before, and. It, it's just a real creepy place. Uh, not not to anyone surprised to hear that, but it, it checks out in person. It, there's something I'm sure a lot of it's like the mental, like because we know of The Shining and all that's already in your head. I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. But there's something very unsettling about that hotel. Um, even though it's used as a hotel on the daily, I don't think I'd ever want to stay there. Like there's something definitely spooky about that place. And and then there's people like like bloody uh, Jim Jim Carrey. Uh, like he won't tell anybody why, but like he basically like refused to go back in that hotel after staying there for a night when he was filming Dumb and Dumber. Well, he probably blames it for giving his kid autism or something. Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, the, that place is is really it's really well creepy kind of place. And uh, and then you know anytime you go in there, there's always a stack of people outside of that room. Bloody what is it two thirty seven or. Whatever the the room is in The Shining with the the lady in the tub. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, have yeah, they kept I, all the carpets and all the fixtures the same from yes. what it was in the movie? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I think they would have to at this point. I think yeah. that's kind of like what what everyone goes there to see. Oh sure. I just didn't know if yeah. you know maybe right after they'd made the poor decision to change <laughs> it in some way. I feel like that always happens. They, they even hired a couple twins to stand in the hallway randomly now and then. Oh God! If I had twins, I would just <laughs> camp out there all day and make them just stand in the back of that <laughs> back of that hallway. Um, it, it's funny. I actually really like haunted um, uh, haunted hotels, and I actually if if I knew that a hotel was haunted, that would like convince me to go there. So um, wh- one year on my birthday, quite a few years ago, there was a uh, there's a nearby hotel. Uh, it was famously haunted. Um, even more so other than just being in New Westminster. And so um, I kind of had like as a birthday plan, I was like, hey, uh, we're going to rent out this room at this haunted hotel. And it's like, hang out, drink, play games and stuff like that. And it'll be fun. So my uh, girlfriend at the time, now wife, she uh, decides to uh, make to make the booking arrangements. And she calls them and says like, um, she said, I'd like to reserve a room, but do you have one that's haunted? And, and they asked her which one. <laughs> so she so she responded the most haunted one. And then they're like, yes. "Oh, you you want this room then?" That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna stay at the haunted hotel, go all out. Yeah, you don't settle for less. <laughs> yeah, and this there's a lot there's a lot of people like you, mate, because I know that, that room two thirty seven or whatever in the Stanley is is booked for for I think I dare say even years in advance. I know it's at least months out because my daughter. 
um, had a birthday party there a couple of years ago. Her and like a couple of close friends, we all we all stayed in the Stanley, and of course she wanted that room because she's a, a weirdo like you. And yeah, they were like, you know, it's, it's like eight months out or whatever. I was like, thank God, because I was going to lie to her either way and say it wasn't Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the adult what here. Like, that? I'm the one that has to keep my shit together if things do go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first scary movie that made an impression on y'all? Oh, I, I've actually got a good one. Um, <laughs> mine's mine's almost embarrassing. It is embarrassing. It's, um, it's a uh, late 80s film called Summer School. Oh, I don't okay. know if I know that one. I think I know um, that one. And that's a scary movie? Nope. No, it's not. No, it's, so it's, it's, it's the one I'm thinking of, right? Oh, yeah, was, it's one of like, the two film nerds who like, uh, go around yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I love that because I, I heard your hesitation. I'm like, he's he's doubting himself, but he doesn't realize it is the right film. It's not a horror. Um, yeah. The thing is, I, I didn't. I was really young. I was like eight or whatever. It was playing in the house. I didn't see any of the film. I just walked into the room during this one scene where because they're, they're like theater kids, like you said, they're, they're playing a prank on somebody. I don't know the movie well. They're playing a prank where they, they have like a fake human head and then they have like this robotic hand uh, like crawl over to the head and pull, rip the tongue out of the head. Oh, God. And that, that was the only part of the movie I saw because I walked in, that scene played out, I screamed, freaked out, and ran the fuck away. And then for years, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what that movie was, mate, but that's the scariest shit you'll ever see. Finally, <laughs> finally somebody somebody who remembered the scene was like are you talking about bloody summer school that was like a b comedy movie in the 80s <laughs> but yeah that that fucked me up for years i had nightmares for so long over that movie i might be the only person to have had night terrors from summer school uh how about actually sorry uh, going back uh hope was, was there any uh did, did you have any costume ideas for this year for halloween Ah, so I always run out of time because I work so much being a ghost tour guide that I often have to work on Halloween. And so I usually right. will save my good costumes for Mardi Gras when everyone is off except for bartenders, which I am not. So I get to enjoy Mardi Gras. Mm -hmm. But I, I was thinking about dressing up as uh, Natasha Leone, or is it Natasha Leone? Uh, it, her character in um, Russian Doll has a really great look on oh, Netflix. right. And so I thought about trying to be her, but I, I'm having a hard time finding the perfect wig, which is really the whole point of that <laughs> costume. Um, I may be able to cut a Merida wig or something like that, but uh, that's that's what I'm thinking about for this year. Okay. I was, really uh, I was Persephone last year. It was a, a modern nice. Persephone. Nice. So I had... Uh, it was mainly because I got a really cute pin of a, a like puppy Severus, uh, like <laughs> a really cute three-headed dog. Yeah. And so I made this whole very twee Persephone costume around it and drank uh, pomegranate cocktails and <laughs> was just sort of yeah. undercover. Yeah. Uh, but people did get it. They just kind of had to pay attention. Yeah. I. Uh, that's that's really awesome. I like it when things are a little bit uh, more creative. And. Uh... Oh yeah. No, I like to I like to be a character. That's sort of the one way that my theater comes out anymore is Mardi Gras on Halloween. If I'm going to be in a costume, I'm going to act like the character. And sometimes it's really annoying, um, but I commit. Um, yeah. But uh, so now going back to the horror movies, what was, uh, what was your earliest? Uh... Sure. My, so I was a pretty sheltered kiddo and I didn't get exposed to too much that was actually scary until middle school, I would say. Okay. So there were, you know, movies like uh, Labyrinth and things that scared me when I was too young to watch them. But when I got to, although Labyrinth now, I do enjoy watching, as do most ladies my age. Um, but so the, the first actual horror movie that I watched was Scream, and I was terrified of it yes. and did not understand that it was meant to be like a satire also. I just thought it was straight up. <laughs> the scariest thing I'd ever seen. The idea of people having their like entrails spelled out was too much for me. And I watched it recently. I wouldn't watch it all through even high school. I was just like, nope, can't, can't do it. Can't mm. take it. And I watched it recently. It's on Netflix. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. This is just, this is solid. This is not that scary. You know, mm. all of the scenes that I, and it's good. You know, there's some good scares, but yeah, that was another movie that I just had hyped up so much in my head as being the most terrifying thing that is actually has a lot of humor in it as well. It, it does. It does both really well. Like it can, mm -hmm. it functions as a really good horror movie uh, yeah. or at least a, a really good slasher movie on top of being a parody of slasher movies. So it's, uh, it's right. actually, I really like it. I yeah. really like that movie. Um, but you did remind me 
two actually early examples was from the Dark Crystal. Oh yeah, because uh, yeah. that was really unnerving, <laughs> and um, uh, everyone points to like the di- dinner scene, which is kind of a little bit grossish. But uh, no, the part that got me was uh, when they had that one. Um, oh, I've seen this movie like dozens of times. I forget what those little things are called. Um, the but they took this little thing this lemming i guess i don't know and uh <laughs> strapped him to a chair and had his soul sucked out of him and uh it was terrifying it was oh like, no i could not have handled the dark crystal i think my family knew yeah i could not have handled the dark crystal as a kid <laughs> and it's it's great it's brilliant you know, like oh it's one of my favorite puppetry. movies now yeah but no yeah. i it would have scared the pants off me as a kid for sure it's it's no summer school but it was really scary <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another one was actually uh, a movie called, um, and it's Claymation too, but it's called The Adventures of Mark Twain. Um, yep. Yeah. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. And I saw it at exactly yes. the time when I was uh, young enough to only just start becoming aware of mortality and mm-hmm. like the concept of death. And that very, that mysterious stranger segment was so intense that it actually made me morbidly depressed for a very good long while after. Yeah. No, as soon as you said claymation, I was like, (laughs) it's that Mark Twain movie. I know exactly what he's going to say. It's that damn Mark Twain, Satan and the little clay people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was a bit much for, uh, for young me who was just becoming familiar with the concept of death. That's a bit much for me now. It kind of is. <laughs> it's, it's rough. Uh, well, uh, Hope, thank you very much uh, again for taking the time to join us. It was, uh, it was a really wonderful chat. I, uh, I really uh, appreciate you um, joining us again. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for having me so close to Halloween. It gives us a lot of really fun things to talk about. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was great to uh, have a little bit more Halloween content because it is a really cool, uh, very fun time of year. So it's nice to... Um, uh, partaking that a little bit extra all right yeah and i would like to also thank you hope for being here it's always lovely talking to you and i hope you come back again it was a lot of fun and everyone actually would you would you like paul's job (laughs) oh i couldn't presume (laughs) (laughs) no if anything you should take my job i think i'd rather listen to the two of you talk no it is it has been Fantastic talking to y'all and anytime <laughs> happy to be here. I'm sure we'll talk for three hours after this too. Probably. Um, all right, everyone have a safe <laughs> Halloween and, and, you know, check your bags and, and don't do a murder and be sure to accept candy from strangers. <laughs> <laughs>